Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. Amen. We're talking about the power of praise tonight. We've been talking about praise the last couple of weeks. We had basically a Holy Ghost meeting where we just come together and exalt the Lord, invite his presence among us, honor him in this place. And so praise is a powerful force against the enemy. It's one of our weapons of warfare that we can use to stand against the forces of evil and darkness. And what it does, it helps get our focus off of ourselves and on God. When we praise him, even in in the midst of a storm or adversity, our eyes then are no longer on ourselves but on him. Also what it does, it produces humility. It demonstrates humility in the life of the believer. Because we're focusing our attention on him. We're believing him to do what we can't do. We need his divine intervention, his ability manifested on our behalf. And what is that saying? I can't do it, but you can. We're limited in our own abilities. We know that our own power, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. But he's unlimited in resources. And so we look to him. We cast the care of it all upon him. You know, it's just like oftentimes we'll just cast the care on him and give it over to him. And what happens? We take it back take it back get into worry anxiety and fretting and that sort of thing and we're all human we're all the same way we all do it but we've got to learn to discipline ourselves to say okay I've turned this over to you Lord and I'm just believing you're taking care of the situation I'm going to praise you for what you are doing in the situation we know that it also turns back the hand of the enemy also it leaves no room for complaining and negativity You ever notice back in Numbers uh, chapter 13 how they just murmured and complained and murmured and complained and murmured and complained? But Joshua and Caleb just said, no, no, we don't don't do that. Let's just just give it to the Lord. He'll help us. The enemy's bread for us. What a difference in attitude, right? Turn back the head of the enemy. Praise God. And also, no room for complaining. It invites the presence of God. As you see here tonight, it invites the presence of God among us. He inhabits the praises of his people. And he will live in those praises, manifest himself in those praises. And the more we praise him, praise God, the greater the presence of God is experienced in our lives. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, I want you to notice what it says in these two verses, 5 and 9. In verse 5, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house unholy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. What a mouthful that scripture is. Because if you understand the Levitical priesthood and go back and look in the Old Testament and see what they had to do in order to perform their duties, they had to first and foremost worship God and minister to the Lord. Worship was first. We are a spiritual house. We are a holy priesthood. The priesthood is all the believers. We're all a holy priesthood unto God. And what are we to do? Offer up spiritual sacrifices to God. How are they acceptable? By Jesus Christ our Lord. Only he makes our sacrifices acceptable. And what is the sacrifice we're to offer? Not a bullock, not a lamb, not a turtle dove or a pigeon, but we offer up the sacrifice of praise. Look at verse 9. 
But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar redeemed people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Notice the calling that we all have in our lives. We've been called from the realms of darkness. Do we understand the depths of that statement? You and I were bound in darkness doomed for eternal separation from God in a place of eternal suffering but he called us out aren't you glad you heard the voice of his call aren't you glad your ears were attentive to what he was saying to you at first I didn't accept salvation because I didn't understand salvation I thought people were crazy who said you must be born again but one day I heard the voice one day I heard the call and one day I answered the call and one day the Spirit of God when it came into my heart and took me on the inside and changed me from within I was born of the Spirit and washed in the blood and became a child of Almighty God he brought me out of darkness into the light and I'll tell you what when you first get saved what's the first thing out of your mouth Praise God. Hallelujah. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I get it now. You got saved, and you started to praise him with joy unspeakable and full of glory. But we all have a calling. We all have a purpose, and that is to offer spiritual sacrifices of praise to God, the fruit of our lips, to give thanks to his name, made acceptable by one person alone, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And every one of us is called to do it. Also, the first ministry of the priesthood, every believer is number one, you're a worshiper first and a worker second. We worship him first in spirit and in truth. Then we are equipped and qualified to work for him in touching the hearts and lives of other people. So in other words, we enter into his presence, we fill ourselves up with his presence, his power, his glory, his abilities, and then we go off and we minister to other people in the power of the Spirit. In uh, Second Chronicles, I want you to see this in both Testaments, we have examples of what praise can do. There's power when it comes to praise. When we praise God with understanding and know what we're doing, we give place to the power of God and it's displayed. Look in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20. This is the Old Testament. And you know the story of Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. And how they were being attacked by three armies that wanted to wipe them off the planet. You ever feel like you've been attacked from every direction, every corner? You've never been there? No? I think we've all been there once or twice, right? Because Jesus said the storms come to every single one of us. Nobody's exempt. Trials, tribulations come our way. Every single one of us will encounter difficulties in this life. And you know, when we do, the natural thing to do is to do what? Fall victim to our feelings and emotions and let them dictate to our lives. Who hasn't done that? We've all done that. But here they find themselves in a position where they are utterly going to be destroyed and wipe off the planet. And they need God's divine intervention and help. So number one, Jehoshaphat prays, seeks guidance and direction from the Lord and says, look, we're nothing compared to what we're facing. We cannot any, in any way in ourselves overcome this adversity. So our eyes are upon you. That was his prayer. Our eyes are upon you. You tell us, you show us what we ought to do in this situation. Power of God, the Spirit of God came upon the prophet who spoke and just said that you don't need to fight in this battle. The battle's the Lord's, not yours. All you've got to do is send out the praises and start praising God for his goodness and mercy. And so what happens right here? And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army to do what? To say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. 
And when they began to sing and to praise, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Praise God. What happened? When they began to praise and worship God by saying he is good and his mercies endure forever. Lord, you are good and your mercies endure forever. With understanding, with understanding of this, you don't have to fight in this battle. The battle's the Lord's, not yours. What a place to get to of understanding. I'm not going to exert myself any longer, but I am going to give place to you, Lord. It is yours to fight. It is your battle. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to praise you for the victory. I'm going to praise you for the answer and believe for your divine intervention and for you to do what only you can do. That's what they did. And what did they get? For the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount, and, and stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. They were confounded. They were confused by the presence of God. And what happened? The enemy was destroyed. And God brought victory to the lives of the people. But what was the key? When they praised him and saying, you are good and your mercies endure forever. Then the Lord set ambushments. In the New Testament, we have another example of the power of praise. When we understand how to cooperate with God and truly from the heart believe in the power of praise. Okay, so let's look at it. Here's Paul and Silas, they're in prison. Their feet fast in the stalks. And we know what's happened with them, they've been beaten. And they have every reason to be frustrated down and out. To have a victim mentality, a pity party for themselves. They're in the innermost prison. They could say, God, you sent us out here. We've been proclaiming the truth of the gospel. And we find ourselves in the inner prison. What's going on here? This is not good at all. It's not inviting at all. Well, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Jesus taught Paul the gospel. He taught him everything he knew. Remember, he was a persecutor of the church. He wasn't walking in fellowship with Jesus. He had no really need for Jesus whatsoever at that time and wanted to destroy Christianity and just nip it in the bud. He is taught by Jesus the gospel. And what does he do in the midnight hour of crisis in his life? He prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. So they had a choice. They could stay there. They can complain, be victimized, and basically murmur about what they're going through. And anyone can do that. We all can do that. And I'm sure we all have done that at one time or another. But notice the power. Prayer and praise. Prayer took the petition to God. Prayer took the problem to God. Lord, look at this situation that we're engaged in. Look what's happened to us. We're here proclaiming the truth of the gospel. We're here ministering life to these people that are in need. We want to bring them out of the realms of darkness into the light of your kingdom. And look what's going on with us. Here we are in the inner prison. Here we are suffering. Here we are beaten. What's going on here? But no, that's not what they said. They prayed. They said, Lord... We're here serving you. We're your servants. 
We're here to honor you and proclaim the gospel to these people that are in need. Do what only you can do. So we're going to praise you. We are going to praise you. Hallelujah. And just turn it over to you. We give it to you, Lord, and we believe for your divine intervention. I will praise you because you heard me and you've become my saving strength. I'm praising you in this situation, not for the situation, but in the situation. I'm giving thanks to you. I'm praising you for your divine intervention, for you manifesting your glory, manifesting your power. And all of a sudden, heaven hears the praise of the people, Paul and Silas, and then the glory falls. The earth begins to quake and shake. Everyone's bands are loosed. They're all delivered and set free supernaturally. We all want that, don't we? But it's important we understand the connection that they had with God in the first place. From their hearts, they were surrendered to him. From their hearts, they were serving him. They were walking with him. They were about the Father's business, doing what they were called and told to do. And they did it faithfully. And when they got themselves in trouble, God proved to be faithful when they first of all took the petition to him and then began to praise his name in the worst of circumstances in their lives. And did God come through? Oh my, did he come through? Big time he came through. You know, we talk about, you know, God moving. What about when the ground shakes? And what about when the building shakes and all that? Not just the person. See, there's a pattern Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 5. There's a pattern that ushers in the glory. Once again, I don't know about you, but I want to see the glory in display. I want to see God's presence, his power, his glory, his anointing and manifestation every time we gather together. Doing what only it can do, saving the lost, healing the sick, setting the captives free, bringing deliverance. But look at this pattern. In chapter 5, verse 11, it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, for all the priests that were present were sanctified. Everybody say sanctified. They were set apart at this time and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the priests, which were the singers, all of them Asaph and Haman and Judgethan, with their sons and their brethren being arrayed in white linen. Everybody say pure. They were purified. They were arrayed in white linen, which stands for purity. Having cymbals and psalteries and harps stood at the east end of the altar. And with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. It came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one. Everybody say unified. So what were they? Sanctified, purified, and unified. It came to pass as the trumpeters were, and singers were as one to make one sound, a harmonious sound. How important is this that everybody come together like in a service like this and just say, I'm here for one purpose. And that is to truly honor God. That is to truly praise and worship him for who he is and what he's done for me in my life. I'm not here to criticize somebody else. I'm not here to judge somebody else. I'm not here to see what other people are doing. But I am coming to abandon myself to God and to truly worship him from my heart and join together with other believers to make one sound to be heard in praising God harmoniously with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so what did they do? They thanked the Lord with their, lift, they lifted up their voice and with the trumpets and cymbals, instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, not too complicated, for the Lord, he is good. For, praise the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That's it. Praise the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That then, when? Then. 
then the house was filled with the cloud even the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister for by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God so can you imagine when the glory is so in manifestation and on display that people can't even stand up under the glory of God it filled the house of God praise God and I've been in a couple of those meetings where the glory was so filled, so full. And, and the house was so filled with the glory of God that the people couldn't even stand and minister by the glory because of the glory of God. Now, we see this in the New Testament in Acts chapter 4. Same thing. Acts chapter 4, um, we have this threat being made to the disciples that were involved in healing the lame man that was at the temple gate called Beautiful. They threatened them and they let them go. And then in verse 23, being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, this is just awful. Why are we going through this? Where in the world is God? I'm telling you, it shouldn't be this way. No, Lord, you are God. Stop right there. Just stop right there. When the problem looks bigger than God, we're in trouble. We got to get to the place that we look at the situation and say, you're big, but my God is bigger than you. You made heaven, earth, sea, and all that in them is what a thing to remind themselves of. I know this is huge right here, but you know what? You're bigger. My goodness, you made the whole thing. Heaven, earth, sea, all that in them is. Who by the mouth of your servant David said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth were stood up and gathered together, together against the Lord and against his Christ for of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatsoever thy hand and counsel determined it for to be done. But now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Look at the threat that they're throwing our way. And grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Can you imagine going to church one day and the whole building is just going crazy? The building is shaking. Because of the divine presence of God. You might say, well, it might maybe ruin the foundation. Not when it's the, uh, the glory shaking it. It won't. He'll keep it intact, guaranteed. But as they lift their voice, and this was a practice among them, they would pray, they would praise God, and the multitude of them believed, that believed were of one heart, one soul, neither said any of them that, that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Don't you want to see great grace? Great grace. Grace is a wonderful thing. But imagine great grace upon them all. When? When they're of one heart, one mind, one accord. Lifting up their hearts and voices to God in prayer and praise. It gives place to the glory of God. Look at this again in Acts 2. They're of one accord. 
Like on the day of Pentecost, like it was back in Second Chronicles. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 46 through 47. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. Eat, they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. There is an evangelistic tool right there. Wouldn't you agree? Right there. They broke bread together. They prayed. They worshiped together. Praised God together. And I'm sure in the process of doing so, they had the manifestation of the presence of God, doing signs, wonders, and miracles among the people, and daily added to the church such as should be saved. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we know the verse as well. The weapons of our warfare are not what? Carnal. But mighty through God. Though, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war with the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. One of the mighty weapons that we have in battle is the weapon of high praises before God. When we praise him from the depth of our soul, and when we praise him because we know we have a connection with him, our hearts are surrendered to him, and we know he, we have his attention, we have his divine intervention, it rises up on the inside, praise God, and we can call upon his name and give place to his power through high praises that are in our mouths. Now, in Psalm 50, verse 23, we all have the same spiritual warfare. We all are challenged in this realm like anybody else. And the difference between success and victory and defeat and being overcome is learning how to cooperate with God and give place to his presence and power on our behalf as we go through situations on this earth. Prayer and praise are important weapons of our warfare. So look at Psalm 50 and verse 23. Whoso offers praise, it's an offering. I'm giving you an offering. You, you gave an offering of, of your financial resources earlier. This is offering praise to God. And when you do it, you glorify him. Whoso offer praise glorifies me. And to him that orders his lifestyle aright will I show the salvation of God. In other words, when a person offers praise and lives a lifestyle of praise, he is saying, I will show, I will demonstrate, I'll put on display my awesome power to save, to deliver, to make whole to set free. I will empower you with my might and my strength. We can do all things, not in ourselves, but through Christ who strengthens us. Greater is he that's in us. It's the greater one doing it in us. We're more than a conqueror through him who loved us. And so we give place to his working. How? Simply by praising him and thanking him like we know it and believe it. Look at Psalm 18 and verse 3. This is a Psalm of David. David found himself oftentimes in trouble, oftentimes being surrounded by the enemy, oftentimes facing difficult and trying situations. And what does he say? I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. I will call upon him and I will praise him. Now notice this. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. There's a safe place in praise. A safe place. He praises him. And the Lord shows up. And saves him. Time and time again. From his enemies. 
And you know what? If he did it for him, he'll do it for us, right? If we praise him, that's why we want to spend this time really developing a lifestyle of praise corporately and individually. Look at uh, Psalm 149, and this is a wonderful, wonderful psalm. It reveals to us the powerful weapon that we have in praise. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. To do what? Execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all his saints. So praise ye the Lord. What's he saying to us? You want to bind the hand of the enemy? You want to bind the works of darkness? You want to stop the enemy in his tracks and dispel the darkness? Turn back this hand of the enemy and whatever he's trying to do? Oh, I'll tell you what. It makes room for the blessings of God when the people of God truly praise him. And remember, we're not talking about just singing songs. We're talking about from the heart praising him. So let's get back up here, praise and worship team. 